Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I'm here with my co-host. Gypsy, and today we have Jackie Biebenroth. She is the founder of a marketing agency called Muse Headquarters. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. You know, I really enjoy listening to you. I think you all have such a great voice for this type of work. It's very like late night FM kind (laughs) of. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, we're not super animated with it. So it allows a little calmness. Very chill. (laughs) Love it. It's a pleasure having you. Yeah. Appreciate you for coming on and talking with us. Absolutely. Thank you. So to get started, we'd like to ask, you know, where are you from and how did you get into what you do today and even where you are now since you're sipping something hot looks like and snuggled? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm sitting here in Cleveland, Ohio, where it just snowed today in the middle of April. So I wasn't prepared for that. Got my hat on, got my tea. (laughs) And I was actually listening to uh, your um, interview with, oh, I forget her name. She was from Bali. Um, Bali. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bali. Yeah. So I was just imagining, you know, that tropical scenario. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Cleveland, uh, it, it's not Bali, but it uh, certainly is a great place to live. We live here in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Okay. And uh, my business is in the city. Um, I'm an entrepreneur and a speaker and a uh, just a marketer who specializes in communication techniques for change. Okay. You're from Ohio originally? I'm from all over Ohio. Yeah. And we moved away to Charleston, South Carolina for a while. We lived on the beach, uh, which was fabulous, but I did miss the seasons. So we, we came back to Ohio. (laughs) Okay. Okay. How did, did you always, um, were you always focused on marketing or is that something uh, more recent? Yeah, so I am a 23-year marketer. I grew up in advertising agencies. And I, um, when I was a young copywriter, I, I was writing, you know, just all this like messaging for, you know, ads and websites and And I remember this moment where my creative director came to me with red lines all over my work. And I was like, oh, what's the problem? And she said, you can't use the word change in advertising. Mm -hmm. And I said, why not? (laughs) And she, she told me that people are afraid of change. And if you tell them this, that this product or service is going to change them, they're going to be afraid and they're not going to buy it. So you have to use words that are like more optimistic, like uh, evolution or transformation or things like that. And, and ever since she told me that, you know, when somebody told you you can't do something, you just want to do it (laughs) even more. Um, Ever since she told me that I've just had this fascination with behavior change and why people are afraid of it. And ultimately that has really translated into my work today where I own an agency that specializes in working with transformational brands. So brands typically in nutrition, 
wellness, um, learning and coaching uh, that are all about like helping people make positive changes in their life. What does it mean to focus on change as a business? Is that? I'd like to say that we're a change agency who helps change agents. So I think I've, I've heard a lot of brands make this claim about transformation. You know, you buy this product or service and it's going to transform you. You're going to, you know, you're going to look younger. You're going to lose weight. You're going to, you know, you're going to be your best self, right? You're going to transform. And that's a lie. Like flat out, like I just feel like transformation doesn't happen overnight. And advertisers have a habit of overpromising and sometimes underdelivering. And so I I was really fascinated by like telling the truth about change um, and really helping people understand that change is quite often it's a, it takes time and it's cyclical. It's not always linear. It's not always like I buy a product, I take the pill or I use the cream or whatever. And then, and then I'm transformed. Like that's not a before and after, like we're kind of like trained as a society to think like before and after where really it's like before a little bit, and then I failed and then a little bit more and then I tried it again. <laughs> and that's how, that's how transformation happens. Yeah. It's a process. Exactly. I was going to, I was kind of trying to wait and I wanted to go back. You mentioned copyright, um, a yeah. copywriter, and I was interested in knowing more about that. I've seen it in a certain, a certain, you know, a few places, but is that more just for, you know, what, what is that exactly when you say copywriting? Because when I'm looking at music, I'm dealing with music. I'm thinking, you know, you say you do copywriting. So I'm thinking, you know, something like submitting copyrights for uh, as a, a agency or something. What what exactly? Certainly. Right. Yeah. A lot of people think that. And I'm sorry I didn't clarify earlier. I'm used to talking to marketers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I, you're you're a web a web developer aren't you yeah so i yeah, like working do. in marketing departments so I, I know what you're talking about but yeah, yeah you can go ahead yeah. and explain yeah so a uh, copywriter is a very specific type of writer who typically works in an advertising agency who writes to sell so like any words you're reading on packaging any words you're reading in ads website copy we call it um the, the goal of the copywriter is to convince you to buy the product or the service with their words, which is a very different genre of writing than, say, a content writer or a journalist. Their job is to write to tell stories. And a copywriter is writing to sell. So, you know, snappy headlines, concepts, bullet points, feature benefits, all of that stuff. Um so I really kind of honed in my craft on convincing people to buy things. That's that's my kind of writing. If I try to write an article or something, I've been trying to write a book for years. I can't can't do it. <laughs> it's just not my genre, you know. And most of our guests are book writers. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, that that takes a lot of time and focus. Copywriting does too, but it's typically really short and succinct because we have this mantra, never assume that people give a crap about what you have to say. Like you have to earn their attention. Whereas when somebody picks up a book, they typically want to read it or mm-hmm. <laughs> like interested in it. Copywriting, we're always like, we're trying to break through and like Catch get someone's attention. attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a fun, it's a fun job. I, I've always loved it. It the reason I kind of went into wellness and transformation later in my career is because it can be kind of fickle. It's a fickle business, you know, selling people stuff they might not want or need, you know. So I really wanted to do something of purpose. So oh. you were able to take a lot of the skills from copywriting and kind of what you learned about selling to people or think how kind of some people think and pull that over into your business of figuring out the, or, or, you know, pushing change, the word change on. Yeah. Selling change. And like, so in marketing, we have this framework called the buyer's journey and it's all about the different decision-making points. Somebody goes through to make a decision like, you know, when they're at the store and you're standing in the aisle and you're looking at all the tea, like what tea am I going to buy? Like, so there's a, there's a consideration process that you go into. So as a copywriter, I understand all of those little like nuances to that. And at the same way, when someone's thinking about making a change in their life, like if I want to say, I want to like change my relationship with drinking, for example, there is a consideration set that's very similar to the process somebody goes through when they're buying something. You're almost like buying into the change. You have to convince yourself you're ready for the change. So I've become really fascinated with how people decide to make changes and then how our brands that we serve at the agency can really fit into the to that decision-making process. It's really cool work. So you've been in this industry for a long time. How has the way you market changed over the last, let's say, five years? Oh, that's a great question. So, you know, I used to have this saying that buyers are more educated than ever before. And I'll still say that, like that, that buyers are more educated than ever before, but they're educated in different ways. So whereas five years ago, maybe there wasn't um, as many opportunities to provide reviews or there wasn't as many influencers on social media. Now people are making decisions based on what they're hearing from other people and not what they're hearing from the brand. So the brand and my job as a copywriter to, to be the voice of the brand, that takes a back seat to really the voice of the audiences. And I'm sure you, you go through this when you're making decisions about online purchases. You know, what are people saying about this um, and how can I make an informed decision? So that's really different. And it's very exciting because it takes the control away from the brand and puts it gives them the accountability to deliver so that those reviews are, um, are really solid, you know? So influencers are becoming like a lot more important to the marketing strategy. 
Yeah, people are more likely to trust a customer of the brand than the brand itself. So the brand can be like, we make the best widgets of anybody else in the world. And you'd be like, no, I don't believe you. I have to go check Check that (laughs) with the reviews. reviews. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's been an interesting um, change. Uh, Whereas like, even like 10 years ago, like the advent of content marketing, blogs and things like that, um, you know, it just helps people make informed decisions. But I'll say with these transformational brands, I'm not seeing that same level of change. I think people want to believe that the skincare product is going to make them look 10 years younger or, and then they buy it and then they're disappointed. And so I'm trying to build more accountability with wellness brands so that they are managing people's expectations about not just the, the, the investment of money, but the investment of time and how wellness is really a mind, body, spirit thing. It's not just one magic thing. that's going to like, you know, make you feel like you're 18 years old. Yeah. Why do you focus on wellness brands? Is that something that you're personally interested in? Yeah. So I was a, I was a Pilates instructor as sort of my side hustle back when I was in my twenties and thirties. I was a, uh, I mentioned we moved to Charleston, South Carolina. My husband went to culinary school down there and, uh, I was just a freelance writer and I was kind of lonely and I went up to the local spa and I, I, I always kind of liked Pilates, but I could never afford it. So I was kind of like, Oh, this sounds like a cool thing to do. I could work at the spa part-time and get my Pilates certification. And I ended up loving it. And the reason that I loved it so much was number one, it was more meaningful than advertising, (laughs) which was intellectual and financially stimulating, but not necessarily purposeful at the time. And number two, I got to see people, I got to help people make transformations in their bodies. So I don't know how much you know about Pilates. Um, I did a couple of times. I'm sure they do a lot of Pilates. Yeah. 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 Pilates is probably a big thing in LA. Um, Yeah. But a lot of times people will come into Pilates being like, you know what? I heard Pilates lengthens your muscles and slims you down. And that's what I want. So let's do this. And, and you kind of got to be like, okay, yeah, but the real benefit of Pilates is that when you do it consistently, it completely changes your posture. So like you're, you're sitting up taller, your shoulders are back. You're walking through the world with more confidence and grace and control. And so like they feel that as a secondary benefit over time, that's transformative. Will they fit in their pants a little better? Maybe, (laughs) but like real change happens like in that long period of time when you do something consistently. And I loved that about Pilates. And I, I believe a lot of things have that that kind of power. So I want to help brands that do that. (laughs) keep their customers for longer so that the people can really experience that transformational change that quite often is secondary benefits of what you thought you actually wanted you you get as like a bonus kind of thing 
Is there um, a certain time span that um, usually comes or how long does it usually take to see some of the transformation or with um, your program or what, what you with Pilates or with oh, no, just no, no. With, mar- um, mar- marketing, right. With Muse headquarters with uh, their, your business. Yeah. So uh, one of the core areas that we're really focused in right now is functional and integrative medicine. Are you familiar with this field? It's like holistic doctors, okay, yeah. naturopaths. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So we, this is a growing field in wellness and healthcare. And what happens is people go to conventional healthcare with a problem. Maybe they have heartburn and the doctor says, take a pill and feel relief. And so again, it's like a short-term fix. It's like before, after, before the pill, after the pill. But what's not happening is they might be treating the symptom, but not the true cause. And so functional medicine is really about this like root cause, right? But that's not a pill. It's not like an instant fix. So what happens is you have to go to this doctor. Typically, you have to spend cash out of pocket for blood tests, supplements. Then you have to restrict your diet. You have to do all of these things. It's not just money. It's like time and effort. You're healing your guts because a lot of issues kind of stem from the gut. Mm -hmm. And then you're kind of healing your body from the inside out and not taking a pill externally to fix a symptom. And so those problems, those, those types of that healing process takes, we've seen anywhere from three to nine months of the initial treatment program, depending on what, what your issues are. And it's real easy to kind of drop out. Uh, in the middle of that. So what we do at Muse is not only help those doctors convince patients that they should spend the time, money, and effort in a, in a long program, but then keep people interested in doing the program so that they do ultimately experience the benefits of it, which are transformational. Um, so that's one example of how our agency serves um, like a wellness client to like help acquire the new patient and then keep the patient for long-term, which is very, very different than like, like you go to your family doctor and their job is to get you in and out of there as fast as possible. Um, and don't come back (laughs) because if you come back, you're sick again. Right. Whereas, whereas these doctors, they really want to develop a relationship with you so that you can you know, um, go through this journey of wellness together. And it's, it's fascinating work. And most people are most motivated when they're experiencing a, like a really bad issue. That's like keeping them up at night or chronic fatigue, like, um, you know, nervous system issues, uh, Lyme disease, like these are big things that impact your quality of life and hold you back from living your full potential. So, um, I get a lot of, uh, warm, fuzzy feelings out of helping those doctors do great work. Okay. And this, you say this is a a new something, um, more that's new in the field or is it pretty much Los Angeles, New York, Florida? Oh, well, you know, all good things. Wellness seem to stem from the West coast. (laughs) (laughs) You all are lucky out there. But uh, there has been 
a lot of growing demand in this particular market. So um, I'm surprised by how many people haven't aren't necessarily familiar with it. Um, but I think it will be more, um, you know, commonplace in a, in a couple years when the more people hear about this, these success stories of people just really kind of changing their lives through these programs. So as a business owner, what are some things that you do to de-stress while we're on the topic of mental health? Oh, that's a great question. Well, emotional harmony is one of the core values of my business. So, um, and maybe you've experienced this in working with agencies, there can be a lot of egos and drama and stuff when you're working in a creative field with a bunch of creative people. <laughs> and um, so when I started my business, I really wanted to create a Zen space um, so that people could focus and be productive and like really just enjoy coming to work. And one of the things that we do is we have a Reiki practitioner come in and do energy work on everyone um, once a month. So, so that's one way to kind of keep like de-stressed. Mm-hmm. I actually had a health issue. Do you, before I go on, are you, you, you're familiar with Reiki? Are your yes. audiences familiar with Reiki, do you think? Um, we've talked about Reiki a little bit, but not as familiar. I know it's dealing with energy work, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. I never would have thought it could be so powerful for me, like laying on like a massage table. And the Reiki person isn't even touching my body, just like holding her hands over certain areas, and maybe touching some pressure points here and there, but for like 30 minutes, and then I get up, and I feel like a new woman. And it's just really insane how she can like move the flow of energy through your body without even touching. We recently talked about like tuning with like one of those tuning forks uh, using the sound bath. Yeah. Sound bath. Yeah. 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 That's pretty crazy. I got to try some of those. Yeah. And we've done, I've done yoga, but haven't quite got looked into the Pilates all the way. So. It's definitely something that I'll look at they, for us dealing they with They say um, yoga, like somebody told me once that yoga, like the breathing is different. Like yoga, mm-hmm. you kind of breathe down. So you're kind of like relaxing into your poses and your stretches. Pilates, you breathe up and you like scoop up. So this is like more of a strength breath and then breathing down is more of a relaxation breath i always find that fascinating because breathing is such an important part of stress relief too yeah i'm realizing that more recently i think one of the agencies i worked with they have they had like a breath and body work class so starting to get familiar with that for de-stressing yeah and meditation as well is also good yeah uh how like, what's your meditation practice? Do you meditate every day or not every so often? Yeah, not, not feel, enough. Yeah, but yeah. I would say most of the week, I will at least try to get a little bit in. Yeah. You know, even if it's you know ten minutes or fifteen minutes, just you know, try to get it in. Yeah, that's so powerful too, and it doesn't feel powerful in the moment, but I think it's additive 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a <laughs> yeah, code it of is. protective energy yeah. or just, you know, good or around you, a good feeling. Yeah. Well, it's like yeah. I realize when I do, st- if I do it consistently and I stop, that's when I realize like it accumulates the turbulence, I like to call it, kind of accumulates. And it's a gradual thing. Even when you meditate, it's like you're, it's, it feels like you're knocking a little bit off at a time every time you do it. Um, that's mm-hmm. why I kind of, try to do it consistently but I have noticed when I stop for an extended period of time I do notice a buildup of turbulence so and then when I, I sit I like down, that word yeah. turbulence yeah. yeah that's what we use that a lot <laughs> so whenever I'm getting turbulence even if it's not a full meditation session I'll just like take a few deep breaths and try to calm it down and it it really works yeah it does yeah, and I know you all are married, right? Yes. Yeah. And how long have you been married? It's four years now. Oh no, it's going on five, the fifth year. Almost yeah. five, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've been married for a while too. And I kind of found that like when my partner started meditating and he could experience the benefits, we kind of got on a better wavelength together. Yeah. And now he meditates more than I do. <laughs> yeah, I think he meditates more than I do. <laughs> But it is something great to really, when you're in a relationship, especially a long-term relationship, to kind of grow on that path together and yeah. experiment with those kind of things. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, you know, if I see him meditate, I, let me get it in right now. So we'll meditate together. But yeah. 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 So what is um, some of the, I guess, like maybe books that inspire you in the field that you're in? Well, I think the easiest one I like to reference a lot when I'm talking about change is this, uh, this book called Who Moved My Cheese? <laughs> My parents got it for me when I graduated from college. Like and it's like one of those, like, it's like a fable almost. It's a really short little book. And it's got like some really cool like it's all about these two mice and they're moving through this maze together and one's going after the cheese and one doesn't. And, you know, it's all about how the one who accepts change is really the winner of, of them all. And there's all of these cool, like, like moral of the story kind of thing. Like, like when you stop feeling afraid of change, it starts to actually feel good. And that confidence builds momentum. Um, you know, the, the fact that there's no better time than now, like you don't have to hit rock bottom to make a change. If something isn't sitting right with you, um, like it's the sort of cognitive dissonance. Like I believe myself to be a healthy person, but I'm not taking healthy actions. So if there's like a, like a misalignment there, then, you know, do something about it, right? right? Or do something little about it. So I love that. I love that book for it's just like, it's just a giant metaphor for, you know, continuing to change because change is constant in life. And then I would say the other, the only other book, I don't read a lot of marketing books these days because I just kind of feel like I'm, I'm in it. Like I should write a book on it. (laughs) (laughs) I read this book called, um, you are a badass at making money. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds and interesting it's, already. 
Yeah. Um, Jen Sincero, I think the author's name is, she has like this, you are a badass series. And so like, it's kind of these like self-motivation kind of things. But what I loved about this book, my coach suggested that I read it about five years ago. And I was kind of like on this plateau, like with my price points and my self-worth and all of these things. And I read that book, You Are a Badass at Making Money. First of all, it was a great read. It was entertaining. But secondly, it just like really shifted my entire mindset around dropping any kind of baggage I had about making money, like other people's perceptions of money or like any guilt associated with making more money. And it, it really shifted my perception. And since then I've um, really been able to step off that plateau and level up my earnings, um, especially at my agency, you know, we've grown um, to like 30% year over year and we just keep going. And um there's, I don't find any shame or baggage in that. Like my, my pricing is my, what my pricing is and I don't have to justify that in any way, you know? And yeah. I, I just seem to be selling more by having that confidence. So. I think that's something a lot of businesses struggle with or a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with is that, you know, being confident in your price points and in your value in your value. Yeah. Your self value. Yeah. What do you feel like is one of the most important things about building a good team to work with? Yeah, I, I think I struggle with this question because this is something that I'm seriously working on. Um, I've always considered myself to be a great marketer, but not a great manager. Um, and I've kind of been a sole entrepreneur for a while and it's only been the last five years. I've really built this awesome team. I'll say a couple of things, direction and vision. So like somebody once told me the difference between being a leader and a manager is that a leader will look out at a mountain range and be like, we're going to climb that mountain over there. And like, they pick the mountain. <laughs> mm. And then the manager then looks at like the map and says, okay, this is the best way to get to that mountain. And so I've always kind of seen myself as more of a, a leader who can create and define the direction. And as long as that direction is clear, as long as people have sort of, they're empowered to like create maps, they're really in, engaged with the work, you know? And both of those sort of roles are very important in a business. And so I guess I've just started to understand my place in the world as a leader. And then I've hired managers to kind of take, take their own lead on building the map and helping us move in the right direction. And that trust and the ability for me to like let go of the map <laughs> especially like you know type a control kind of people they really this, they have this issue i've been working on that like just let go and trust and then we can all work together as a team yeah. on creating traction yeah i think that's that's one of the hardest thing for me is finding like what you want to give up control over 
initially did you try to do everything and then oh yeah oh yeah because like in your mind you're like oh this is gonna be so much faster if I just do it yeah (laughs) right but but there's a lot of um purpose in mentoring people and growing people and uh so you know now that I'm 20 some years into this journey I kind of am finding new like excitement and all of that. So that's been, it's been good. That's great. So before we get ready to close out, would you like to um, let the audience know about where they can um, find your website and links to where they can find you on social media and things like that? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So uh, you can find my agency at museheadquarters.com. That's also our Instagram account, museheadquarters. And then my personal Instagram, which I've only just started posting on after like a year hiatus or something, is uh, Jackie Bebenroth on Instagram. So you can find me there too. Okay. What's your, I guess, since you're in the marketing world, what's what have you found to be the most powerful social media marketing platform? I know well, it's for me, different for, what type of for the different ages, yeah, right. Well, yeah, it's business as well. Yeah. Some is Twitter I, I, and some. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it also ahead. depends on your objectives. Like yeah. Twitter converts pretty well, you know, if you're trying to sell something. But like, I think Instagram is like the cat's meow. I and granted, that's partly my age, but I've just been really impressed in watching that platform grow and really evolve to meet the needs of the users. Um, but my kids are going to tell you different. I mean, I got two teenagers here at home and they're only TikTok and Snapchat. So, <laughs> Well, we'd like to thank our listeners. We'd like to thank Jackie for the conversation and sharing those um, great tips with us about change and transformation. Um, And for the podcast, you can find us at AmericanGypsy.com. You'll find uh, all the episode audios, videos, and guest information. And we have merch at Consistent Self-Improvement Merch at LuamLee.com. And And we also have... uh Uh-oh. No, go ahead. Okay, we also have music under Classic Carpenter, K-L-A-C-C-I-K-C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A. That's on Spotify, iTunes... YouTube, title, all major music platforms. We have some instrumental music, instrumental cello music, some soundtracks from American Gypsy soundtrack that goes along with our YouTube. And we use those instrumentals with our um, videos. So definitely check out our YouTube channel and feel free to subscribe. And we like to say thank you again to all our donators, viewers, um, subscribers, followers, all of the above and our guest as well. And we'd like to thank everyone. So consistent self-improvement and peace. peace.